was thinking about this. Can you imagine what we're going to have to do whenever we tap into the potential that is here? Because there's some room for improvement for us here, right? I wish that all of you, can you imagine the untapped potential in an organization, in a church, in a business? Can you imagine in a business if all the guys who pick up trash for eagle disposal, can you imagine if all the guys who pick up trash for eagle disposal, if we said, if you picked up trash today, if you pick up trash, would you please stand? And like 12 of them stand, you know, you're looking around, you're like, wow, guys, can you imagine how much more we could get done? If every single one of us were able to stand, if every single one of us were able to affirm that, yes, I've been engaged in reaching out and touching our community. As you know, we began a new series entitled Value. And we're looking at things that God puts a high price tag on. There's certain things that God really values and they're important to him. They're very, very important. Last week, we talked about how God valued Saul carrying out the mission that had been entrusted to him. Saul was given a mission, you remember that message hopefully, and he didn't fully carry out the mission that God had said. And as a result of that, God took away his kingdom. And God said, I I regret that I entrusted this kingdom to him because he didn't fulfill the mission that I had given to him. Well, this week I want you to see another thing that God values. God values a full house. I'm telling you, God really, really, really values a full house. Well, pastor, how do you know God values a full house? Maybe God's okay with it just being that we sit here and it's just you and me. Because I like it like this. I like to be able to spread out in my pew. I don't like people. If it gets too many people in the house, the air conditioning doesn't work quite as good. I can't get the front seat parking lot. If there's too many people here, some people, they wear perfume and their perfume bothers me. And I like it just being just us. I'm comfortable here. Listen, my family's saved. My kids are doing good. Me and Lori, we're blessed. It's okay the way that it is. It's all right. Well, friend, that's not God's heart. When God looks around at his house... When he looks at his kingdom, as long as there's room for one more person, he's not resting, he's not satisfied while there's room for one more. Whenever there's seems like there's room for no more, he says, would you move down a little bit and make room for somebody else because I have someone else who I'm calling, I have someone else who I'm inviting into my kingdom. I'm going to show you why I believe that. And let's start at the end and work our way back to that statement. Because we're going to find this statement in Scripture. But I want to start at the end and work our way back, okay? Why don't you take your Bibles and turn with me real quickly to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. This is what the Word of God says. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, 
standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. Do you see that? What are they judged according? According to what they have done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death in Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone, you hear that? Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, according to scripture, there is going to be a day of reckoning when each person, each person, small and great, will be judged according to what they have done. Those whose names are not found written in the book of life, according to the word of God, will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. There's some people who have a hard time believing that. But the word clearly teaches there are two eternal destinations, heaven and hell. There's not somewhere in between. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something to scare people. It's the reality that in the end, there's a day of reckoning. And anyone whose name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. What says that? The word of God. Okay? That's what the word of God teaches. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 6, now we say, well, pastor, I don't know if I believe that. I I don't want to believe that. I'm not sure. I, I struggle with God throwing someone into the lake of fire. Well, here's what the word of God says. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6. It says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are being troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and blazing fire with his powerful angels. The word of God says that he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with time out. Is that what it says? They'll be given time out. The word says that they will be punished with everlasting destruction. And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. The Bible teaches us that the person who does not know God. You hear that? The person who doesn't know God will be punished with eternal destruction and separated from God's presence for eternity. When a man or a woman dies without Jesus Christ, their eternal destination is sealed. It's done. There'll be no second chances. There are no do-overs. There's no, I'm sorry, can I try again? I want to say this. It doesn't matter how much you pray. 
It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how you try to bargain with God. When a man or a woman dies, their doom is settled. It's done. That's it. They either know God and their name is written in the Lamb's book of life and they enter into heaven or they don't know God and they are eternally separated from God forever and forever. Let's turn real quick to Revelations chapter 14. Well, what happens then? Revelations chapter 14 verse 11. It says, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There'll be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image. Or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. But pastor, I believe that God is kind and loving and forgiving. He is and that's why God's speaking to people's hearts. That's why God is so patient. According to scripture... The word says that he is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want any to perish. Pastor, what about the child molester? I don't like child molesters. Pastor, I don't like people who traffic and abuse other people. I don't like them. What about them? God is not willing that any should perish. Pastor, what about the people who just abuse children and beat children and beat children to death and do horrible things to other people? The Lord is not willing that any should perish. Pastor, what about the murderer? What about the thief? What about the person who shakes their fist at God and says, I don't believe in God and they curse God? The Lord is not willing that any should perish. None. Think about the apostle Paul. He made it his mission. To destroy the church. He made it his mission to persecute and imprison and kill followers of the way, followers of Jesus. But the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. God doesn't want anyone. As I said, that's why God is so patient with us. But one day, there is coming a day when he's going to step out of his role as that one who's calling us, that one who is patient with man. He's going to change the role and he's going to step into his role as judge. And he will judge justly. On that day, when God steps into his role as judge, there will be utter hopelessness. Bystanders will be able to do nothing to intervene or to help, okay? You know, there's times whenever bystanders can kind of step in the way. The place that we are at now, bystanders can get in the way of God's judgment. You're like, pastor, I don't know if I believe. Absolutely. Through your prayers and through your intercession, through your fasting, you stand in the way of God bringing judgment upon mankind. Throughout scripture, we find that leaders were often intercessors before God, where God says, Moses was one. I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over. No, God, no. For the sake of your name, for your name's sake. So again and again, mankind has the potential to step in through intercession, through prayer, through beseeching God. Lord, would you give them another chance? Lord, if there's 50 righteous... If there's 40 righteous, if there's 10 righteous, if there's five righteous, would you give them another chance, Lord? 
There's coming a day whenever God will put on his robe as judge. And when he says it's done, it will be done. And that time there's no going back in that moment. Why don't you turn real quickly to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, here's what the word of God says to us. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, and he made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If that is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true to those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. As I said, there is going to be a day that will be a day of utter hopelessness like man has never experienced. I've been at some things with people at times whenever they felt hopeless. I've been with people sometimes when they got some news. I've been with people at times when they were going through a tragedy. And there's nothing like that hopeless feeling. If you've been there and experienced it, it's something that just on you. It's a dark horrible feeling. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible feeling when a person comes to a place in which they feel hopeless. But that hopelessness, your worst day, I want you to hear me clearly, your worst day, maybe when you were without God and you felt hopeless, maybe there's some situations that you just feel overwhelmed about and you just feel totally helpless in, That cannot even come close. That's not even a a smidgen. That's nothing compared to the hopelessness that's going to be felt on that day whenever God rends his judgment upon mankind. If you have an unprepared family member or friend, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that unprepared, that unsaved Family member, that unsaved friend, that unsaved grandson, that unsaved granddaughter, that unsaved child, unsaved brother. I want you to imagine the sheer terror in their eyes as they realize their eternal fate. Have you ever heard one of those heart-rending screams? But it cannot compare. Can you imagine the scream that comes out of a man or a woman who understands that my eternal doom is sealed, that what I heard and what I rejected, what I rejected, what I thought would never come, has finally come, and it's before me, and they realize that they are going to spend eternity in hell. I want you to imagine what it would be like. 
Imagine what it'd be like to look at your son or your daughter and there is absolutely nothing you can do. All the rest of the time in your life, you have rescued them. You have been there for them. You've somehow made a way, but your brother or your sister or your friend, there is absolutely nothing you can do. And they look you in the eyes as the Lord passes judgment upon them. Can you imagine the horror that's going to be there that day? What a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. In the church, we don't want to think about it because it's too sad. It's too overwhelming. It is unbelievable. It brings unbelievable pain when we think about the horror that's going to be there that day. The screams, the begging, the pleading, the bargaining with God. One more time, God, give me another chance. But God, but God. But on that day when God puts on his robe, his judgment will be fierce. God's judgment will be fierce. He will totally obliterate sin. There will be no compassion that day. There'll be no grace that day. There'll be no mercy that day. It will be strictly judgment. It is done. It's sealed. That's it. Wait, but pastor, isn't God a God of grace? On that day, he will not be. On that day, he will be the righteous judge. And you and I, all around us, have people who they are headed, unless something changes in their life, that is their destiny. The reality of it is, as much of the world around us, according to the word of God, if a man or a woman's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they are destined for hell. They are destined for the judgment. Utter hopelessness. On that day, it will be to no avail. Because that will be a day of judgment. No avail, no hope. I want you to think about that boy of yours. I want you to think, mom and dad, how you live. I want you to think about how you teach your children. I want you to think, young man and young lady, about where you are headed. Grandpops, grandmoms. I want you to think. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think. Well, pastor, I worry about offending them. On that day, you would do anything that you could to save them. But on that day, there will be no saving them. It'll be done. Because it's a day of judgment. But that is not today. Aren't you glad that that is not today? It's not today. Today is a different day. Today's a day of hope. Today is a day of opportunity. Have you ever had a horrible dream? Any of you ever woke up a horrible dream and that something happened? You were so overwhelmed in your dream. Maybe a family member died or something happened terrible. You woke up and you were so thankful that it had not happened. Today is not that day of judgment. Today is a day of God's grace. Today is a day of his mercy. It's a day of opportunity. It's a day of God's mercy being extended to mankind. Listen to me. Today is a day of harvest. Today is a day of victory. Today is a day of revival, of breakthrough. To the hardest of hearts, to the worst of sinners, God extends an invitation to come unto him. There was an old hymn that we used to sing in the church when I was a kid. And it said, come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. Any of you remember that song? He says, you may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitudes turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. There's an invitation to come to this great wedding supper of the Lamb. That invitation is to those who are near and those who are far from God. 
It's to the religious person. It's to the one who has never heard. That call goes out to the guilty, to the condemned, to those trapped in the sin of unbelief. The master is calling to those who are weary, tired, overwhelmed. The master is calling and inviting them. Listen to Jesus' words. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Would you please excuse me? Still another said, I just married, so I can't come. I can't come. And the servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. You hear that? The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of this town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done. But notice this. What's that next phrase? Friend, there's still room. There is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you the truth, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. There's an invitation that's gone out for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Over the years, many who the master has invited have rejected his call. There's been many. There's been many who've been invited, who've rejected his call. They've been too busy. They've been distracted. They're not interested. And so they make their choice. And I want to say this to you. And they seal their eternal destiny. They seal their eternal destiny. But when the master looks around, he sees that there's still room for more. Can I tell you this? That the master's not going to be satisfied as long as there's still room for one more. Can we squeeze another one in? I'll make room for him. It looks kind of crowded. I'll make room. We'll find a way, the master says. He's looking for that one who is seeking after him. This is what he commands you. He says to you and I, this is his command. He says for you and I, go quickly into the streets and alleys. It's an imperative. It's a command. He says, and do it now. Don't wait. You don't have time to wait. He says, go quickly now into streets and alleys, and bring them in. Don't be discriminating. Don't discriminate over who you think should come. Don't discriminate over who you think the invitation should go out to. Don't have in your heart, don't have preconceived notions into your heart who is going to accept his call and his invitation. He says you bring the people that others reject and overlook. You bring the poor the crippled, the blind, and the lame. 
What are those people doing? I'm not trying to be mean, but other people who were invited, the religious people, they're invited to all kinds of things. They have all kinds of invitation there. The crippled, the blind, the lame, the poor, they didn't receive a lot of invitations. And so he says, you do not discriminate between mankind. These people were available. They were available. The crippled guy, the poor, they're sitting outside of their gates. Make sure you invite them in, the master said. What are they doing? Well, they're always sitting outside the gate. Well, invite them in, include them, so that my house may be full. When I read this scripture, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, put on my mind this idea of low-hanging fruit. You ever notice that sometimes people have, they have a, well, there's a really nice apple up there. It's like 23 feet up in the air. It looks perfect from down here. Let me get the ladder. Let me climb up in the tree. Maybe I can, you know, it's like you have to stretch out to get it and climb the tree and the tree starts hanging down. Can I say to you that there's some low hanging fruit around you? A lot of people want to go for this perfect apple at the top of the tree Wait a minute, we can't get for a few weeks. We've got to rent a cherry picker and we've got to rent a crane to get it in so we can get that one. And so we're not able to do that. Friend, there's low-hanging fruit all around you. If you have a guy that you work with whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the master says, I want him. I want him in my house. I want him. Wait, pastor. Well, wait, no, listen to me. There is low-hanging fruit. There's people who you know, that you work with every day, people you encounter at the grocery store, the lady that you talk to at the convenience store. You know, it blows my mind. I'm not trying to be mean. Please don't go with me on a missions trip if you won't tell your kid. If you won't tell your kid about Jesus. You know, that's nice. I, I know we get excited and we, we want to go and do something. Right beside you, right be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. First, God sends us to the places right where we're at. And right where you're at, can I tell you what? If you're willing, he'll fill up your basket. I know this. If you will simply apply the word that you've heard today. If I can get, let's say I get 90% of you doing what God says. Now, I, you know, we'll, we'll leave 10% for... I didn't understand it, okay? If I get 90% of you doing, we will have to do the third service within a couple weeks. And there wouldn't be room. That's God's heart. God's heart is not that the church be partially full. And we say about the church, why the church? In some ways, the church is God's tool that he uses to lead people into the kingdom. It's like his train, hop on the train. This is headed into my kingdom. This is headed into eternity. Hop on the train. Don't miss the train. Well, there's not room. We'll make room. There's standing room. We'll squeeze another person in. God's heart for the world is that not anybody perish. Pastor, what if I offend them? What if you do? What if they misunderstand? What if they do? What if your son or daughter? What if your nephew? What if your niece? What if the guy who walk right down the street from you that you go for walks with and talk about things with what if you stand at the judgment and his eyes meet yours on that day when the lord says depart from me you worker of iniquity i never knew you what are you going to say on that day oh sorry today's not a day of judgment though bros sisters 
Today is a day of God's grace. Today is a day of great opportunity. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what you did upon the cross of Calvary. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for cleansing us from our unrighteousness. And and maybe those of you that are just with us can pray with us, you know, just in your heart. Lord, we, we confess our sins and our rebellion to you. And we ask you, Father, that you would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. We ask, God, that you would purify us. We pray, Father, that you would live in our lives and be our master and be our king. In Jesus' holy name. Now, Lord, for the rest of our friends here today, we pray that you would anoint us. You've given us a mission. You've given us a directive. You said, I want my house to be full. Not just Lighthouse Church, Lord. You want your kingdom to be full. And so, Father, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would rest heavily upon my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that you would put on their hearts and their minds the people who they are. Lord, they're not to discriminate. It's not one person. They're to go to whosoever will. Lord, they're to reach out to their and sisters and neighbors and friends and they are to invite them the word says that they are to compel them to come in that's not just hey would you like to come that's kind of grabbing them by the arm you need to be there you need to be I don't want to enter eternity without you I don't want to to enter into uh, the, the presence of God without having you with me will you come with me so Father I pray that you would anoint them And you would empower them to do that, Lord. Lord, we've received your grace. Now, it's really a choice. They have everything they need. When you start reaching out, you're going to be surprised how quickly your basket fills up. You're going to be surprised how quickly your pew fills up. You're going to be surprised how quickly the kingdom of God grows whenever God's people simply do what he's asked him to do because he's empowered you to do it. So Father, I pray as my friends leave this place today, I pray that they would go under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would go empowered by you and I pray you would not let them rest until they do what you've asked them to do, Lord. I pray that by the time they get home that they had already made that call. I pray that they'd already make that contact, that they'd already set up that appointment, Lord, and and that they would already start talking. I want to say this to you. You don't have to plan what you're going to say because when you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will fill it. So bless your people today, Lord. Empower them.